You're listening today, Luke, presented by Home Sideways. It's time to jump into the Oasis and take another journey with Spielberg and talk about Ready Player One. So let's go. The Oscar goes to Steven Spielberg. E.T. You're the mayor of Shark City. The Oasis. Are you my deadhead? Welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. My name is Adam, and today's conversation is another journey with Spielberg. And this is the series of reviews I have been doing on our, our YouTube channel and on our podcast. This is going to be the ninth entry into this series of reviews I've been doing. Essentially, this series is me re-watching all of his films or even watching for the first time every single movie that Spielberg has ever done in his entire career and giving you guys my thoughts and takes on each film. This is my ninth journey into the Spielberg filmography and today we are talking about Ready Player One. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid, my mom too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. Nowhere. Except the Oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello, if you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis, the world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion, Wade. I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. Of course, this movie is directed by Spielberg himself and is written by Zach Penn and Ernest Klein. Ernest Klein also uh, wrote the book that this movie is based off of. The cast is star-studded with some amazing young talent here. We have Ty Sheridan as our lead as Parzival. We have Olivia Cook as Artemis. Of course, we have Leanna Waif as H. Uh, we also see Wynn Wazowski as Daito. And we get uh, Philip Zhao as Show. Uh, we also see performances from Ben Mendelsohn, T.J. Miller, Mark Rylance also shows up here, and Simon Pegg, of course, as well. 
Uh, so really excited to dive into this world of Ready Player One, putting on our Oasis goggles as we journey back and see a lot of fun Easter eggs pop up here and there throughout the film. But before we get started, let me know your thoughts and opinions on Ready Player One down in that comments section so we can have a good conversation about the film and kind of relive some of the magic or some of our issues that we did have with this movie because I, I don't feel like this Steven Spielberg film is, is remembered as it should be considering it just came out five years ago. This movie is PG-13 and has a two hour and 20 minute runtime, so it has a pretty good lengthy runtime here. Now if you haven't seen this movie in quite a long time, let me refresh your memory on the synopsis here. Follow young Artemis as he goes into the oasis with his friends to try to track down these three different keys to unlock this easter egg led by the creator of the oasis, Anorak himself, played by Mark Rylance. Anorak has, the creator of the Oasis, has passed away, so whoever finds this Easter egg basically gets the keys to the kingdom of the Oasis. Of course, we have the evil, maniacal uh, overlord, played by Ben Mendelsohn, try to have his company swoop in and get the to the key for keys first so that he could take over the Oasis. So, this is a very fun adventure film. Of course, this movie is going to be known for being based on the book of Ready Player One, Ernest written by Ernest Klein. Now, what I have to say about this movie is that this film has a lot of different liberties that does take from the original source material written by Ernest Klein. Now, I have read the book, and I absolutely really enjoyed what Ernest Klein was able to write in it. Granted, a lot of its things had to be updated and kind of refocused to make it appealing for wide... Uh, you know, the mainstream audiences here. And I think the transition from the book to the big screen kind of plays really well. There's two different stories that do take place from book and movie, but it really transitions into this own film where you don't have to be bogged down with all the details that the book does have. And a lot of mainstream audiences can you know, follow it really easily. I would encourage you to read the book because there's a lot of fun different places that Parzival does go that is completely different. It may be not as entertaining as what the movie goes into. Like that shining part was not in the book. So one of my favorite scenes in this movie starts off relatively at the beginning of the movie and that is a giant race track sequence that does happen to try to find the first key for this challenge. And I absolutely had a blast rewatching. it. I was on the edge of my seat. Even though I, I've seen this several times before, I still was so excited to rewatch this. It plays really well on the TV at home in my 4K. It is, it's just really entertaining. I love seeing the is different Easter eggs. Of course, we all know about, about the bike from Akira and the DeLorean from Back to the Future. And King Kong shows up. And we have the dinosaur from Jurassic Park. And there's the old Batmobile and a bunch of other different references they do throw at you. I think that's one thing that I had did notice a lot. A lot of those references are just kind of like bombarding you and you kind of become desensitized to some of the nostalgia you may have for the characters or the little things that do pop up in the background i think that's kind of it's hard to transition trying to pick up every single one because there's so much stuff going on in the background but that opening sequence definitely got my excitement back into watching this movie and i was having a blast i love seeing parnival as he interacts with h his best friend and also artemis and show and daito the high five, as you will. I, I love the group of high five. I think each actor brings something unique and different to the characters and really feel like com camaraderie between all five of them. I really like them. I think they could have expanded a little bit more on this considering they had a two hour and 20 minute runtime. But because we have to go into like the evil maniacal world of 
the IOI with Ben Mendelsohn's character, we have to take a break from the high five and go into like this other world and try to explain the whole competition and why IOI is doing the things they're doing. And there's also some like back play with like in the real real world issues with like these uh, like camps that they have people like harvesting in. I, I, I don't know. It's really a lot. There's a lot of stuff that they could have expanded on considering the runtime. Possibly this movie could have been better suited as a, like a TV show series. I think that could have been very interesting so they can expand on some different topics, but we have this movie here. Another really amazing scene that I absolutely love every time I watch it. I think they recreated it so perfectly. And that is the Shining sequence here on puzzle number two. And I'm the big fan of The Shining. I think it's like a top five movie of all time for me. Uh, top ten for sure. But I love The Shining so much. It's one of my favorites. And seeing them going to The Shining and recreate this, the Over the Hotel, was such a blast to watch seeing how they got to the overlook in the film too was that's really fun and exciting stuff that does happen and then of course they've got a lot of bombardment of different other easter eggs and little uh, pop culture references that i really do like as well but seeing that overlook hotel and seeing the how scared some of the characters were entering this kind of methodical or maniacal uh hotel that is a uh, very iconic for being a really creepy environment. I really liked that because I just love The Shining so much. And of course, some of the other scenes I really liked was that big epic final battle at the very end on um, Planet Doom. So many things pop up there that I absolutely love. And I'll be doing a shorts video, some of my favorite Easter eggs. So make sure you guys are subscribing to the channel so you guys can get notified when I do drop my shorts of my favorite Easter eggs in Ready Player One, because I think that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about with you guys in that video as well. But anyway, I, I, there are so many different fun Easter eggs that do pop up on Mount Doom that I want to see more things pop up. You know, I, I for the big one that I really love, I'll just spoil one of them, is Chucky. Seeing Chucky come in and try to kill all these different uh, characters and seeing that some of the IOI members were actually terrified of the doll named Chuck. Uh, really uh, cool, fun stuff there. Uh, I, I also think that having them going back and playing old video games like on the Atari, which is something that I never was able to experience. I think that makes me want to go buy an Atari and play the game of adventure to try to find if I can do that Easter egg as well that they show in this game to do what they show in this movie as well. I think that replaying that Atari game can even enhance my enjoyment of you know, this as well. And one reason why I wanted to go back and watch Akira for the very first time is because I really wanted to dive into the reference of why that bike was so iconic in Ready Player One that Artemis was driving the entire time. So I liked going back and rewatching that film. If you would like to see my review of Akira, you can check the show notes down below or check the, the link above my head. That's my first uh, time watch of Akira. So definitely check that review out. But anyway, Seeing a bunch of the Easter eggs pop up here is something that I really enjoyed watching. I like going back and watching the backgrounds of things and watching Easter egg videos here on YouTube as well. It's a very entertaining thing to do because there's so much different activity. We're moving into my kind of negatives of this review, and I'm not as high on this film as I was when I first watched it back in 2018. I really enjoy the film, and I just think that a lot of the nostalgia uh, that we're supposed to feel for a lot of the different characters and references definitely bogs us down because we're getting kind of desensitized and over overstimulated by all the different references that we are seeing on screen and a lot, a lot of this stuff doesn't really register in our brains when we, we do watch it again that is something that i 
feel is the reason why this movie doesn't get talked about as some of one of Spielberg's better films because of he just overly does it. And I think maybe with a different director, this movie could have been done a little better in a way, even though I think the movie that Spielberg created was a really solid entry. I also feel like Ben Mendelsohn's character is kind of the mustache twirling villain in here, even though he doesn't have a mustache. But Ben Mendelsohn's character could have been flushed out a little bit more. He plays a character named Sorrento, and again, he, he's the head of IOI, and he's just goes into this world and has this kind of weird character that uh, that he meets up there. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, it is uh, I Rock. That's right, I Rock, played by T.J. Miller. So I think another reason why I wanted to know more about I Rock's character and seeing actually T.J. Miller in person would have been kind of interesting to see. We don't get a really a whole lot of backstory of Iraq. He's just been in this oasis for 10 years and has a lot of stuff in him. And he ha- has a lot of know-how and his way of manipulating things in this game. Wanted to see more uh, from T.J. Miller here, probably. But anyway, Ben Middleton's character is just kind of a paint-by-numbers, mustache-twirling villain here. Not a whole lot of backstory. He's kind of just the corporate stooge. And we're basically just supposed to hate him because of who he is and we're supposed to root for the young kids granted i think that the villain comparison in the book is better done and better suited in the the book itself by ernest klein than the actual mainstream movie and i feel like again i mentioned this before if this was a tv show this could have been flushed out a lot easier and you can get both sides of the the story different perspectives on the events that are actually playing on our screens Oh, we do have this movie, and even though I wanted to see some of the more character interactions and maybe more some things fleshed out within the story, I think overall this is a really fun, entertaining time to watch. I, now, out of the nine films I have done in the Journey with Spielberg series, this film, Ready Player One, falls at number six. It's a three-star rated film. It falls in between Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and The Fablemans. So it uh, falls into number six there. So it's just right in the middle of everything I've done really in this series. Speaking of number six, this is the sixth highest grossing Spielberg movie of all time as well. So let's jump into that box office. The box office for the budget originally for Ready Player One is $175 million. So it, made a, it was made for a lot of money. <laughs> A lot of money. Opening weekend here in U.S. and Canada was about $41.7 million. And the gross worldwide was $592.2 million. So it made a lot of money at the box office. So it made its budget back and more. And I'll be interested. I don't think this will ever happen because Ernest Klein did write a Ready Player 2. I haven't heard a really great reception on that book. And again, I haven't read Ready Player 2. So if you have, let me know in the comments section down below what you guys thought of that book. uh, Because I'm I'm curious if they would even attempt to make a second film. It would be very interesting. I don't think Spielberg would be attached to it. I think somebody else would probably uh, direct that movie. Who would you think would be a good uh, director for that movie? Uh, this movie is also fastly approaching its five-year anniversary. It did come out March 29th, 2018. And I believe it did get some awards love as well. So we're going to hop up to the awards sections on IMDb. It was nominated for one Oscar. So jumping into that category, Best Achievement in Visual Effects. I think that is a very understandable nomination considering the whole world's practically special effects. There's a lot of different uh, in entities that they do put in there, references and such there. It was also nominated the BAFTAs for Best Visual Effects. The Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror 
did give this a win for Best Science Fiction Movie and also nominated it for Best Director for Steven Spielberg, Best Music for Alan Silvestri, Silvestri, and Best Special Effects as well. Interesting that Silvestri did not get a nomination for the score here. I think the score plays tributes to a lot of different film scores. I think we get some Jurassic Park there. We get some um, some E.T., Back to the Future stuff in there as well. I think there's a lot of different references uh, they could have done. It's interesting that John Williams, who usually teams up and partners with Steven Spielberg, didn't do the the score for this one, but we got Alan Silvestri. He does a great job in a lot of his scores, but just kind of funny. Anyway, overall, Ready Player One is a very entertaining and fun film that I really do in, uh, do enjoy quite a bit. And I, I definitely cannot wait to go back and rewatch it count for countless numbers of time. I think my family really likes it. Uh, it's just a really, really fun film. And seeing a lot of the Easter eggs and references, again, is something that I like to go back and try to watch. And like, why was this popular? Why was this put in the movie? Like, uh, that's why I kind of want to go buy an Atari just to get the game Adventure. I'm not planning on playing any other Atari games, even though that's a fan. It's a great stuff, great video game console. But the game Adventure itself, to try to relive that, that ending scene of the movie something that I would be interested in doing. So again, Ready Player One is an awesome film from Spielberg. Let me know what you guys thought on Twitter. You can follow us there at Almost Sideways. Check the show notes down for all the kind of social media links. I don't want to bug, bog down this video with that. But again, guys, my name is Adam. What did you guys think of Ready Player One? Let me know in the comments section down below there. So really enjoyed my watch of Ready Player One. So thank you so much for watching. Until next time, my name is Adam. I'll see you later.